about to hear contains highly offensive and indecent material. Ryan, pull down your pants. <laughs> <laughs> JB, you start Let's... sucking. The host, a comedian of questionable talent, speaks incessantly on topics of a sexual and scatological nature. I will fuck you, but I will not eat you. I want that fucking dick down my throat while I'm dicking him down. I hope my mother's listening. Your ass became a rosebud? Yeah, that's because I got dicked down real good. (laughs) (laughs) He asks questions of his celebrity guests that are highly inappropriate and rude. Which of you has a bigger penis? Oh, that's a good one. That's a fun, good one. Going down on the clitoris? Oh, yes. Oh, I like where you're going with this. For some reason, the word strap-on just comes right out of my mouth, Bianca. Yeah, you said come and strap-on at the same time. And he cannot stop talking about his buttocks. I think your butt is telling you, no mas, por favor. <laughs> this is the Adam Sank Show. If it's in my hand, I'm going to suck it. Powered by DNR Studios. And now... The one, the only, Adam Sank! Bottom. Bottom. Yes. It's me. I'm back once again. Welcome to the Adam Sank Show. Today is Saturday. Um, what? Yes. Today is Saturday, November 10th. We're pretending uh, 2018. Leave me your ratings and reviews on iTunes or wherever else you listen to this podcast. Email me at adam at adamsank.com. Hey, everybody. My last ever comedy show is happening November 28th and 29th at the Stonewall Inn right here in New York City. Go to adamsank.com for info and tickets. And by the way, Sometime in early 2019, the uh, Adam Sank's last comedy album will be released, so you'll be able to purchase that. Like the Adam Sank Show Facebook page, our guests today, I'm very excited about this, one of our guests is a returning favorite, one of my favorite people in the world, and that is actor Glenn Scarpelli. Um, and he will be here along with Stephen Wallum, another fabulous actor. You may know Stephen from Nurse Jackie, uh, HBO's Divorce, He's been on a lot of different shows. Anyway, the two of them are co-starring in a new Amazon Prime movie called Sacred Journeys, where they play a gay couple, and they will be here to talk to us about that. Um, But once again, I am happy to welcome a fabulous guest co-host, a beautiful man who's still wearing a chapeau, Mr. Marty Thomas. Hello, thank you, thank you. Cabaret legend Marty Thomas, Mm -hmm. you you came back to the ass. I always do. (laughs) Yes. It's still raining, just like it was when you were here two weeks ago. Ironic. Oh, that's weird. And you can hear the rain. Uh, JB says it sounds like popcorn, but in fact, it's just raindrops falling on our heads. I kind of like it. It's very soothing. It sounds like someone's like playing the drums a little bit. Anyway, Marty, um, we have a, a lot going on on today's show, and I'm going to start with a question that is very uh, apropos to you and your career. Okay. It's a very uh, sensitive, controversial question, and it's this. Are you cut or uncut? I'm cut. No, that's not really the question, but thanks. That's good to know. Um, (laughs) The the question is, Marty, should straight actors play queer roles? That's a real toughie. It's it's a hot box issue right now in the industry. Um, I I mean, I I immediately go to an actor should be able to embody any character and should be able to embody any lifestyle as part of that character or any, any, you know, anything. But right now I think it's so important to see representation of queer actors in film and television. And I feel like our stories need to be told by us. Well, this has been coming up a lot lately, as you know, in the news, there's been lots of debate about this. And a recent headline says, Garrett Clayton says, straights playing gay isn't okay until we have equal opportunity. So I saw this and my first thought was, who is Garrett Clayton? (laughs) Do you know him? him I know him, yes. So apparently he's a 27-year-old actor known for playing Tanner in the 2013 Disney Channel movie Teen Beach Movie and its sequel, Teen Beach 2. And also, this I did see. He played Link Larkin in NBC's Hairspray Live in 2016. So and he was in that Cobra movie about um, the porn star. Oh, King Cobra. King Cobra. He starred in that. As, as um, what's his face? Yes. That's the lead. Corrigan? Was it about Brent yeah, Corrigan? Brent Corrigan. He of the perfect asshole. <clears throat> yes. Wow. He's like a little cutie pie. And he came out like two weeks ago. Yes. He came out very recently. <laughs> Um, but he says, I've had trouble getting into rooms because people say, oh, he's not masculine enough, but then they'll have a masculine straight guy going in to play a feminine gay character. They'll give him the chance, but they won't give us the chance. 
I'm conflicted about this, and here's why. Uh, when, when, when it's about race, I'm all in, right? Black people should, black characters should be portrayed by black actors. Asian characters should be portrayed by Asian actors. I believe this 100%. Um, that's an immutable characteristic. That's something that, that you're born with. And because of the history of blackface and yellowface and brownface, not only in Hollywood, but in this country, you don't want somebody, you know, changing their skin tone to play a role. Unless it's dream girls on a cruise ship and then it should be all white. <laughs> have you, have you been part of that production? <laughs> Not yet, but there's still time <laughs> when it comes to, to trans actors. I'm kind of like a little bit on the fence on the one hand. Yes. We want to give trans actors and trans performers as many opportunities as possible because they have been shut out of opportunities and are discriminated against. God damn that rain is, rain is loud. Um, on the other hand, I'm having a hard time articulating this without it sounding offensive or insensitive. Somebody who transitions from male to female, as far as their outward presentation, before they transition, they're no different outwardly than I am, right? Okay. So why can't I play that role? Why is it any, why is it any more inappropriate to have me play it than to have a trans woman play it? We, we, I can't speak Do you see to what I'm field. saying? Yes, I see what you're saying, but I don't think that you or I can appropriately even pontificate about how a, a, a trans a, a trans actor would feel about that. Right. We don't know their experience. We don't have their experience, <clears throat> and we certainly don't know their feelings. And I feel like it's representation, and it is important to see. Like, uh, you know, there have been so many films over the last five, six years about um, trans lives that have used celebrities that are not trans. Correct. To play the role. But let me ask you about that. So, so Jared Leto mm -hmm. in the Dallas Buyers Club. Yes. Won an Academy Award. He was amazing. I thought gave a stunning, stunning performance. A, a truly heartfelt, sympathetic, sensitive portrayal of a trans woman with AIDS mm -hmm. and, and as a, an HIV positive person, that's important to me mm -hmm. to see that portrayed. Would it have been a better movie? Would it have been better for the trans community? Would it have been better for all of us if a non-famous trans actor had gotten that role, maybe not has, have done such a skilled performance, but even if, let's say they were just as gifted an actor as Jared Leto, not as many people would have seen the movie because it's not Jared Leto. Mm -hmm. Do you see the problem? Yes. I do it's see like the problem. The is, is it the chicken or the egg? Is it the chicken before the egg thing? Like, can we put someone who doesn't have a big box office name into these roles? Like giving new, like giving new stars a try and chance. I mean, right. brilliant new young actors are emerge every day in films. Right. And you, then, if you don't, if you don't give them representation, how do they emerge? That's right. We don't need the same ten people playing every part. I right. agree with that. Um, it's all about making money and who could bring in the who, and who could bring in the crowd. So right, the and there are arguments that there offense. isn't a trans actor out there that can either hack handle the role or will sell tickets. And it's like, well, well, this is why we give people a shot. This is why you give them a shot. Audition right. trans actors. But it is a business. Hollywood's a business, and they're there essentially to make money first and foremost. And so, for the same reason that I don't get, you know. I don't get to headline New York City comedy clubs. It's not because they don't think I'm funny enough. It's because I don't draw a crowd. I can't, I can't sell out Caroline's on Broadway, you know, whereas Kathy Griffin can. So they're going to have her headline instead of me. That's just economics. At the same time, I realize there are bigger issues at play here. Here's where I get into the weeds with gay uh, men and lesbians being um, – gay men and lesbian roles being played by straight people. If they can't play us, then I don't think we should get to play them. And I, I want us to be able to play them, right? For, for decades, uh, gay men were denied parts because everyone said, oh, no one's going to buy him as a straight guy. Well, we now don't know that that's bullshit. Neil Patrick Harris played mm -hmm. a womanizing straight guy on How I Met Your Mother for like seven years. Yes, Number did. one show on TV. Everyone knew he was gay. He had come out already. Nobody gave a shit, right? Matt Bomer plays straight characters. Uh, who else? Um, Colton Hayes. Colton, yes. 
the dude, Although, the dude Colton from Hayes, Big Bang Theory, that brilliant. He has definitely Jim had Parsons. when he came out. He definitely had a decline. Yeah, they they took him off Arrow. I, yeah, I remember that. Like, like they do all LGBT characters on the CW. But do you see my <laughs> point? If 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 we want Marty Thomas to be able to play straight guys, then I don't think we can tell straight guys they don't get to play Marty Thomas. I do see what you mean. However, every every um, change takes a little time. And change takes representation. And um, if 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 we're going to see the trend move out of uh, only hiring famous straight guys to play anything, you've got to start giving gay men representation. Well, here, if- here's the other thing I have with this, and then I want to move on because we have so many other topics. Who's to say who's straight or who's gay? In other words, I might appear to be a straight guy actor to the world, but secretly... I'm bi or secretly I I don't really define my sexuality. I just don't feel like coming out. Sure. Now you're going to deny me a role because I haven't come out. Hmm. Do you see? Yeah. It gets really tricky when you're talking about sexuality. That's not an immutable thing for some people. For some people, it changes. Some people are just queer. Some people are married to women. Uh, I'm thinking of Raul Esparza, you know, as an actor who's married to a woman, but, but, but identifies as bi. There are probably a lot of people like that who just probably. aren't out and open with it. It's why it's a dicey situation. It's why my answer was like, Ugh. I don't know. Because I do right now genuinely want to see gay representation in the media Me and too. In, in film. But um, I, I agree with you on many, on many points. Well, one holiday that we missed back on October 11th was National Coming Out Day. Yay. I think we missed it. I don't remember talking about it. So I found this article... Uh, and this is 17 celebrities who came out this year. Now, I, what was interesting to me is that I've heard of almost none of these celebrities. So I'm going to read the list off. And I, all I want is for you guys to tell me <laughs> if you know who this person is and if you can identify something they've been in. Ready? Starting with Abby Jacobson. Nope. JB? No. I feel like if I see the person, I'll know. She's one of the stars of Broad City. Yes, I know her now. I see a picture. I love her. I know yes. who she is yeah. now. And she came out as bi in, uh, in an April issue of Vanity Fair. Um, I thought it would be the other one that would come out. Um, oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Alana. Alana. Alana, yeah. I love that show. Okay, ready? Amanda, not Amanda, Amanda Stenberg. Uh, no. No. Stenberg? She's an actress who was in The Hunger Games, and she had previously identified as bi, but in a June interview, she came out as gay. Oh, she's pretty. Okay, ready? This next one I do know. Brendan Urie. Brendan Urie. Nope. Oh, wait. Uh, Superman? Nope. Lead singer of Panic at the Disco. Oh, right. Mm. Of course, he came out as gay? He came out as pansexual. Oh. Which he means, was doing kinky boots. Which means he has sex with pans. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Colin Martin. Mm-mm. Nope. None of us know him because he's a professional athlete. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and he's like a UK football player with the... Uh... Oh, he's a cute little white boy. Oh, no, wait. No, I'm sorry. He's a US soccer player. He, he plays for the Minnesota United. And um, I he's... I have no idea I think he is. may be the first openly gay player in Major League Soccer. Huh. Good for him. 23. All right. I think JB knows who this is. Corey Michael Smith. Oh, uh, why does that name sound familiar? He's on the show Gotham. Oh, and okay, he came out as "quote unquote" queer in March. Okay, I do know of him. He's sure handsome. He is. Are you googling all these people? Marty's of like friend I requesting am. each one of them. He's like <laughs> follow Marty's on Grinder looking for <laughs> Corey Michael Smith. Okay, we have Garrett Clayton, who we just talked about, course, former right. Disney star, Hennessy Carolina. Hennessy Carolina. It sounds like a band. What I know. It's, I think it sounds like a fabulous drag queen. Hennessy Carolina is defined as a reality TV star better known as Cardi B's little sister. Okay. Okay. She came out as bi by posting a photo on Instagram of herself kissing her girlfriend in front of the Eiffel Tower. Good. As one does. Me. Jake Choi. Jake Choi? Choi. C-H-O-I. He's one of the stars of the new ABC sitcom Single Parents, and he came out as fluid. So is he a liquid? Ugh. Oh, wait, I tried to hit the ejaculation. <laughs> That's what I wanted. I wanted the fluid. Janelle Monet, everyone knows who that is. Oh, yes. Fabulous artist. She went to AMDA. What's AMDA? <laughs> the uh, American Musical 
dramatic arts, something like that. Oh, yes. It's a musical theater school <clears throat> in New York. Yes. She came out as a queer black woman in America to Rolling Stone in April. She's fucking fierce. This one, I've, not only do I know him, Wait, but I... did she come out as pants first and then queer? Pan? Yeah, because we did talk about her. I think so. She's show. never really defined what it means to be when she says queer, but <clears throat> I think she's basically a lesbian. Um, this next one made me <laughs> okay. so excited because I've always loved him. It's Jason Mraz. Really? He came out as... Well, in June, he, he um, posted a poem, and he ended the poem. <clears throat> this was in Billboard. He ended the poem by saying, I am by your side. B-I, by spelled B-I. Huh. Since then, the singer-songwriter has confirmed that he has indeed has experienced that he has indeed had experiences with men even while I was dating the woman who would become my wife. Interesting. That's hot. Mm, yeah. That's His voice hot. makes me weak. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> He's so, yes. so wonderful. Do you guys know who Josie Toda is? Josie, Josie Toda. Toda. Nope. Josie. Nope. This one isn't even explained. <laughs> oh. Um, this person is known professionally as JJ Toda. She was on Glee, apparently. She says, my pronouns are she, her, and hers. I identify as female, specifically as a transgender female, and my name is Josie Toda. I guess I'm not sure what she played on Glee. Me too, but she is 17, apparently. Okay. That's young. Yeah. Speaking of Glee, Kevin McHale. He played, um, oh, God. He was the kid with glasses on Glee. What was his? Oh, in the wheelchair. Yeah. Yes. 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 And he was in a boy band for before <clears throat> that. Yep. He came. I out. always had think frames. I thought he was real cute. Ooh, I found a before and after Transformation Tuesday photo of Kevin McHale. Nice. Wait. He's like, He's here I was on Glee. Now hey. I'm gay. He's packed on <laughs> some beef. Yes. Honey. Is he gay or bi? He tweeted. Um, okay, let's see. He tweeted after Ariana Grande released her song, No Tears Left to Cry. He wrote, hashtag, no tears left to cry is gayer than me, and I accept. Thank you, Ariana Grande. I agree. I agree. It's gay song. That sounds gay. Um, There's somebody named Lee Pace. Lee Pace. This was an actor who was in The Hobbit and Pushing Daisies. He was asked to comment on his own sexuality. Oh, in a February interview with W Magazine, he said, I've dated men. I've dated women. I don't know why anyone would care. I'm an actor, and I play roles. I don't like that answer. I don't like that answer either, but he's, no, he's hot. kind of sexy. He's super sexy. He has great eyebrows. Yeah, I don't like that answer. Like, why does anyone care? We care because human beings care about sex, and we care about relationships, and, and we, we want, want to know. sleep with you. And we want to sleep with you. And you're in the public eye. You're, you're sexual. We're all sexual. I hate that answer. That's what my mother says. Why does it matter whether they're gay or straight? It matters because I want to put my dick inside on Bart Not. <laughs> but not just that. It's like when, when a straight celebrity gets married, it's on the cover of every magazine. So people about care their about their sexuality. That's that their bullshit. sexuality. That's yeah. not, it's not just about like sex. It's about like who you date, who you marry. Are you single? Are you? you I want to know. I want to know everything about Channing Tatum. And he's not gay. Except no, he did head. just get divorced. But then he's already with someone else now. I yeah. just saw he's with some he has, He's hobby. already dating some girl. I'm just like, Chad, come to me, baby. I, I so got bad. you. And then these last two I know very well. Uh, I mean, not personally, but y- we, we all will know who they are. Lucas Hedges, who is promoting his upcoming film, Boy Erased. Uh, the Oscar-nominated actor spoke openly about his own sexuality for the first time. He said, quote, I recognize myself as existing on a spectrum not totally straight, but also not gay. And not necessarily bisexual. We talked about this on the air. I feel like it's movie promotion more than anything else. Yeah. To just be vague. Well, to say I'm not straight, I'm not gay, and I'm not bi. Like, well, what What are you? What are are you? you? Asexual? Are you? Are you a blob? Do you only use a fleshlight? What's happening, Lucas? (laughs) And the last one is Ronan Farrow. Now, his coming coming out is somewhat nebulous because he simply described himself as, quote, part of the LGBT community. But it's been pretty much thought for some time that he was gay. Um, of course, Ronan Farrow has been instrumental in the Me Too movement in uncovering um, the sexual misconduct of very powerful men in uh, writing for The New Yorker. It's New Yorker or New York? I always get those two confused. Um, he writes for New York magazine. It's, it's New York. He broke the Harvey Weinstein scandal, which right. was the one that, um, but also Les Moonves and a bunch of others. And he's the daughter of 
Mia Farrow and Woody Allen or possibly Frank Sinatra. It's never been determined. Uh, there's a news um, item about Megyn Kelly trying to claim um, or wanting Ronan Farrow on hand when she meets with NBC execs to sue for her show being canceled. Well, it's interesting. Ronan Farrow uh, came out a while ago and claimed that NBC blocked his reporting on Harvey Weinstein mm -hmm. when he brought it to them, even though it was a solid story. They had multiple sources. Everything was, was above board as far as the journalism went. And NBC said, no, we're not ready yet. So he went to New York Magazine and they broke the story instead. And he believes they were protecting Harvey Weinstein and their own business interests. And of all the NBC anchors and journalists, Megyn Kelly was the only one who really talked about this on her show. Now, Megyn Kelly is vile and a racist and I'm glad that she's gone. However, she did the right thing in, in trying to, to, you know, speak truth to power about her NBC bosses uh, railroading Ronan Farrow and I guess now she wants his support because she's been fired. Um, okay, moving on to a very, very important story. This is frankly the most important story of the year. Chris Pine has shown his penis. Ding, ding, motherfucker. The actor did a full frontal scene in the upcoming Netflix film Outlaw King, and it has tongues wagging. Graham Norton broached the subject on his show and said that it's getting a lot of attention. Sally Field, who was a guest on the show, chimed in, and she said, well, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, they like me. People are apparently dazzled by this. His penis got a standing ovation at a recent film festival. Uh, Chris Pine himself says he's very happy with all the attention it's been getting. <laughs> I'm always happy when mine gets attention. I mean, who are you talking to? <laughs> Chris Pine tells E.T. it's pretty cool that his penis is the breakout star of the film. Once again, the film is called Outlaw King. I don't know that I'll be watching the entire film, but I will definitely be fast forwarding to that moment. I will be on the hunt for memes. <laughs> I love Chris Pine. I think he's so fucking sexy. And frankly, I think there needs to be more male nudity in films. We've been seeing women's titties and pussies for years. I have no complaint about that. That's a beautiful thing. But I want to see Dick. And I want to <laughs> see Famous Dick I specifically. Agree. I agree. Um, and that brings us to this week's Cocktails and Cock Talk story. And now, time for another stupid story. From cocktails at cocktalk.com. Yeah, suck my cock. <laughs> A new study shows that straight guys. <laughs> this is such a stupid story. <laughs> okay, I need to even find the headline in this. It's about straight guys kissing each other. And apparently, same sex kissing between men is a behavior that can be engaged in while those men maintain a heterosexual identity. This was a study of 442 self-identifying heterosexual men in the journal Sexuality and Culture. 11% of the men say they admit to kissing another guy on the lips. Marty and JB are now kissing. That's what we're hearing. They're making out in the corner. <laughs> Ooh. That was a good one. Men in all male competitive sports and those in fraternities were more likely to have kissed other men on the lips. Alcohol consumption also had an effect on the results. A few of the guys, uh, uh, one of the participants in the study said, a few of the guys in the frat have been known to kiss each other when drunk. It's become pretty normal now. We all know who the kissers are. Naturally, some participants saw their kissing just as platonic yet affectionate. I'm not attracted to my friend, said one, but I do love him. What I find really interesting about this, Marty, is that when I was in the closet in high school and college, I never kissed another guy. I was way more likely to suck another guy's dick than I was to kiss him. Kissing for me came much later because it was like intimate and it was just it was kind of freaky to me almost to kiss another guy at first because I had never seen it. Right. You know, when had, when had I ever seen two men kissing I mean, I'm going to say that I still, I saw two guys kissing on the street last night and I stopped and I was like, I had to take a moment to myself of, is that okay? It stops of you short, it's right? okay. Yeah. But you don't, it's not, you don't see it a lot. We're not used to it. And, it, and so 
I'm frankly, I would think that frat guys would be more likely to just like blow each other when they're drunk than to than to make out or to kiss. Right. Or to jerk off in the same room kind of thing. Because kissing, you're right in someone's face. There's like nothing literally more, in, there's, in there's nothing more intimate face. to me than kissing. And that's why like I will have sex with someone I'm not that attracted to, but I will not make out with them. I'll only make out with people that I'm genuinely attracted to. But you will? Sure. I, 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 like get my dick impossible. sucked in the steam room or something? Sure. Oh, that's that's different. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I, I, I can't like get... I don't think I could be intimate with somebody without kissing them. Wow. You're so old-fashioned. I am very old-fashioned in a lot of ways. <laughs> uh, here's some lesbian news, which we rarely do on this show and we should do more of. Researchers have uh, created mice using the genetic material of two mommies and no daddy. Research at, researchers at the Chinese Academy of Sciences published an article in Stem Cell, in, excuse me, in, uh, yeah, I guess there's a journal called Stem Cell, about the technique which produced healthy mouse children they were able to grow up and reproduce. This is not the first time scientists have created mammalian children with the genetic material of two females, but it is the first time that the children turned out healthy. Hmm. They did this by uh, a process called imprinting. The scientists del deleted several imprinted regions from embryonic stem cells and injected them into eggs from two different female mice. They were able to produce 29 live mice that developed into adults. Here's the sad thing for us. A similar attempt to make mice using two mouse daddies failed. Hmm. The researchers were not looking for a way to make human children with two mothers or two fathers, but just trying to understand why mammals always reproduce sexually, while other organisms like reptiles, fish, and, um, and others can produce by themselves or change their sex to reproduce. The technique is not automatically applicable to humans, and it may take years of research before humans can use it. But, um, you know... I know a lot of lesbians who would love to have a kid without any male involvement. Isn't that what um, Jurassic Park was based on? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Jurassic Park was the story of lesbian dinosaurs looking to get the fuck away from men. But seriously, fact, wasn't it? All the dinosaurs were female. Yes. Yeah, that, that in Jurassic Park, that's how mm -hmm. B.D. Wong was going to keep them all from reproducing. Yeah. But in an environment where they needed to reproduce, <clears throat> they changed their sexual identity. Mm-hmm. Not identity. They changed their sexual uh, genitalia. Yes. Jurassic Park has my favorite of all the John Williams theme songs. Oh, the yeah. Da, 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 da. It's so pretty. Everybody hated on the latest Jurassic Park movie, and I loved it. Didn't see it. Chris, I always love Chris Evans in anything, so yes, yeah. I loved it. Well, when I first saw the Chris Pine penis in a movie headline, I thought you meant Chris Evans. I said and Chris I was like, Evans. Ugh. I'd be happy to see either penis. Yeah, either would be or just both great. together in my face. Um, here's a question for both of you. Would you allow yourselves to get a haircut from a very, very old man? Uh, well, you know I'm I a hairdresser. I have to I'm, watch him first. I'm a hairdresser, so I'm very picky. Do you cut uh, your own hair? I do. And how old are we talking? Well, the world's oldest barber is still cutting hair full time, and he is, wait for it, 107 years old. What? Why, where is he cutting this hair? Uh, in New Windsor, New York. Huh. He has been cutting hair. I'm sure I get this right. He's been cutting hair basically his entire life. Uh, he was born in 1911 near Naples, Italy. Emigrated with his family when he was eight. Um, he began working at the barber shop when he was 11. By age 12, he was cutting hair and dropped out of high school to cut hair full-time. Back then, a haircut cost 25 cents. At the time, they also did uh, medical procedures at the barber That's shop. That's true. So he no longer does those, obviously, but he did learn all of them, such as burning off warts, placing heated glass cups on people's torso, and using leeches for swelling or high blood pressure. Fun fact, you know the, uh, the barber pole, the traditional barber pole? Mm -hmm. Uh, it was like a medical symbol that would be put out uh, in front of a barbershop, and the blood, the red was for blood, for blood, and the blue was for veins. Wow, that's cool it, and creepy, because they were basically doctors, <laughs> barbers. His, oh. his name, if I haven't told you, was Anthony Mancinelli. In 2007, when he was just 96, he was recognized by Guinness World Records as the oldest working barber. 
Since then, the commendations have rolled in, um, congratulating him when he turned 100, 101, 102, and so forth. He's completely healthy. He has all his teeth. It is not on any daily medication. <laughs> He's never needed glasses and says his hairstyling hands are still steady. One reason he continues to work is that it helps him stay busy and upbeat after the death of his wife of 70 years. Aww. Carmela, she died 14 years ago. I can't even get a second date. Thank you. Me too. 70 years. He's the oldest working barber, but it seems like at 170, he's probably like the oldest working anything. Yeah. Yeah. Although I remember um, reading about some lawyer who was over 100 who would go to his law office every day and practice Maybe, law. but he what didn't were you start say, working at age oh, 11. No, I just want to make a correction. I know I said Chris Evans is Chris Pratt. Who played oh, yes. Yum, Chris yum. Pratt. Another yes. hot Chris. They're all delicious. So many Chris's. And Chris Pratt is hot. a big, like, muscle dude now. Yeah. He's huge. But in Parks and Rex, he was so chubby and chunky. I loved him chubby and chunky. I love I like him, him every way. Me too. Yeah. Poor Anna Faris. She lost that. Oof. Literally get your man who can do both. Oof. All right. Here's another question for you guys. Have you ever heard of a sound bath? No. Well, this is what one sound le- sounds like. Let's keep playing that, JB, and I will tell you that a sound bath is a meditation class that aims to guide you into a deep meditative state while you're enveloped in ambient sound played by instructors or sound therapists. That's a thing. You can be a sound therapist. Sometimes participants stay in a seated position on comfortable cushions, though some instructors ask attendees to lay on yoga mats the point of this is to manage stress and improve your overall well-being. Sound baths use repetitive notes at different frequencies to help you focus away from your thoughts. And generally, these are created by traditional crystal bowls, gemstone bowls, cymbals, and gongs. Are we still playing it? I can't hear it. Yeah, yeah it is. Each, this is like the... This, um, it's just stuck on one note. Each instrument bowl. creates a different frequency that vibrates in your body and helps guide you to the meditative and restorative state. I don't feel restorative or meditative. I, I That just... I mean, that's horrible. I can see, I can see it because I, I meditate as, as a Buddhist. I meditate in the mornings. I didn't stuff. know that. Good for yeah, you. Yeah, thank you. Um, so I like to meditate. I can see how this can literally help with the calming of the mind and zeroing things out. How I found out about this is I ran into a friend of mine on the street the other day, and he goes, "I'm just on my way to a sound bath," and I was like, "Is that like a bathhouse?" And he goes, no, it's just a room where they play like soothing sounds for an hour. And we all just like lay there and, and chill. And I thought, well, that sounds like a waste of time. But I thought, why not look it up on YouTube? And this is the one that I found. It's this woman. And she is, in fact, playing these crystal bowls. To me, it reminds me of wind chimes. A little. Yes. I don't I like wind chimes. I use Cher's new ABBA album as my sound <laughs> bath. That's how you meditate. That's what I put on in the morning is like, let's let's relax and get this together. Come on, Cher. I do believe very much in the power of any kind of soothing sound. I mean, I, I love, I, I, when I chill out, I like to listen to really mellow acoustic music. I'm into that. I get soothing sound, but that, that um, dinging on the bell was not soothing to me. Yeah. That was like emergency broadcast system stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, some, when it's really repetitive, when it's the same sound over and over again, that kind of starts to grate on me. Yeah. But if you're interested, um, you can find sound baths in your local area, I'm sure. Can't wait. (laughs) And uh, it's not something I would pay for ever, but I would definitely, you know, download a sound bath recording or just go on YouTube like I did for this one. I felt that about a lot of Broadway musicals recently. (laughs) It's not something I'd pay for, but I went. You know what's weird, Marty? I used to buy every album that I was interested in. And now I don't because... You can hear them streaming in so many different places that why do you need to own them? That's true. That's true. Um, I, there are things that I want to own and I want to have so I can play it whenever I want. But it's so easy to find music right now. Yeah. Although. Like I bought the Hamilton cast album because I wanted to own that. Uh, we didn't talk about it on air, but I was telling you I'm watching this new Netflix show, The the chilling adventures of sabrina the new sabrina yes. teenage witch mm-hmm. and it has like a really interesting soundtrack some really cool songs there was this uh young female voice that recorded um black magic woman and i spent 
about half an hour last night looking for the song to purchase it and you can't purchase it or hear it on YouTube. You can't find it. It's by a band called VCTRY and it's nowhere. Wow. They said that you can like stream it on Spotify with the soundtrack of the show, but you cannot buy it. Amazing. Or hear it anywhere else. Wow. Isn't that strange? That is weird. Speaking of which, one thing I'm looking forward to is they're going to broadcast a performance of, is it My Fair Lady that they're doing? I just saw that like a, a Broadway musical. Oh, no, it's The King and I. <clears throat> oh, where, and where are they broadcasting it? I think from London. Um, the show is still playing over there. Ruth Ann Miles is back in the role wow. of uh, Lady Chang. I worked on um, in the hair department. Oh, you the, did? The production it's such here. a beautiful production. It but is. yeah, they're going to, to film, essentially, or I don't know, it's either going to be filmed or live-streamed. Are a they performance. doing it like PBS style? Yeah, but I think it's going to be on broadcast TV. Huh, I wish I had neat. it in front of me, but I'm very excited. I wish they would do this for all musicals. I agree. Because I, I, you know, I want there to be as wide an audience as possible for it. And also, I can't afford to see every show that I want to see. It's true. But they did have a little bit of a public backlash when they uh, aired Legally Blonde on MTV. Not backlash. They just um, lost a lot of ticket sales because a lot of their target audience felt as though they got to see it on MTV. Yeah, I guess. So shows I... that are currently running. But if a show isn't running any longer and we're not going to be able to see it, I feel like capture the moment. The film of Newsies is amazing. I liked it. Just as well, if not better, than the uh, live show. I just think the more theater and the more opportunities to see theater, the better. All right, I it agree. is now time for our guest segment. And our guests today are both starring in a new movie called Sacred Journeys. It's the story of Marco, played by our friend Glenn Scarpelli. Marco is a depressed Jeep tour driver whose life gets turned around by a surprise visit from his past. Marco also has a boyfriend named Tom, played by Stephen Wallum. Here is a scene between the two of them from Sacred Journeys. Hey. What, no laundry? What are you doing tonight? Um, why don't you tell me? Look, I really like you, and it's probably not fair to drag you into this, especially on a first date. First, let's step in back. That kid the other day? With your friend. That's my kid. My son, with her. That's wonderful. No, you don't understand. We were besties, and it was a really tough time, and my dad was a real jerk. It's okay. It's okay. No, it's not okay. He doesn't know that I'm... He's got cancer, and he thinks that I died of cancer. Well, not me, because he really doesn't know it. Hello. Please welcome to the Ask Glenn Scarpelli and Stephen Wallum. Come on. Come on. Welcome. <laughs> Wait, what happened? Oh, all right. I think our board just went down. There we go. There's our studio audience. They were, they were stunned by the sight of Stephen Wallum. Yeah, I get that a lot. Glenn Scarpelli, yeah. are you on the phone with us? Yes, I am. Hi, guys. <laughs> Hello. Hello, Glenn. Hello. I apologize for the technical difficulties. It is uh, Stephen. It's great to meet you. Great to meet you too, Glenn. It's always great to have you in my ear. Ah, thanks, Adam. Hey, who who else is in that room, just so I know? Our co-host is the beautiful Marty Thomas. Beautiful. Hello. Wearing a gown, a full Hi, evening Marty. gown. That's how beautiful. Yes, <laughs> she's in a strapless gown. And, of course, JB, our, our fearless associate producer, is here as well. That is so great. You know, it's so interesting being on the phone with all you guys in that room. I feel like I'm blindfolded at a gangbang. Uh, I wish. <laughs> if I had a nickel. <laughs> I love the Disney Channel. When does this air again? <laughs> Before air November 10th. Okay, so tell us, you guys, how did this movie, Sacred Journeys, come about? Go, Glenn. Well, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll start this one. Um, you know, it started a long, long time ago, actually. It takes a long time to make a movie. Back in, like, 2011, 2012, my, my wonderful friend, Michael Colucci, who was a writer in L.A., said, I want to write a vehicle for you. I think you should act again. I, I want to write something for you. And we would meet at this restaurant called Marco's on Santa Monica Boulevard in West Hollywood and kind of just talk about ideas and different concepts and so on and so forth. And one thing led to another, and we wound up developing Sacred Journeys. And it really wasn't until Mackenzie Phillips, of course, our dear friend Mackenzie, yes. and Stephen got cast that the whole thing really started to take form. And we were able to pull it all together. And now we're on Amazon Prime, and we're just so proud of it. 
That's awesome. Stephen, I grew up watching Glenn and Mackenzie on One Day at a Time, and you and I are from the same generation. Did, oh, absolutely. Did you also, were you a fan? Yes. Well, I was going to say, you know, Glenn and I only knew each other as Facebook friends. I'm pretty sure I friended him because what, you know, adolescent gay boy did not have a crush on Glenn Scarpelli, you know, especially uh, during One Day at a Time. So. You know, uh, so that's how that's how I got attached to this, because we had never met or worked together. And out of the blue, um, he messaged me one day and said, would you, do you have would you possibly be able to come out to Sedona, Arizona for a week and do this short? And um, I had met Mackenzie before. Uh, absolutely loved her. And yeah, that, it was a no brainer. Of course. Of course, I did it. I've been doing this podcast for about a year and a half. And the two most surreal experiences I've had on the show are interviewing Glenn and interviewing Allison Arngrim from Little House on the Prairie. Oh. Because they were both like just huge know, parts of right? my childhood. Yes. And now it's like they're real people in my life. Back in the days Uh-oh. where we didn't have any choices but the three <laughs> networks, you know, kids, these darn kids these days, they got so many choices and exactly. we couldn't watch things on our phones. We had three networks to choose from. Exactly. So, Stephen, you live here in New York. I do. But you went out to Sedona where I this did. was filmed, correct? Yes. And what was it like filming out there and, and, and meeting Glenn and, and Mackenzie? Um, well, they were both just horrible. They never spoke to me the whole week. <laughs> They're such good. So that's fine. Actually, all of my scenes are CGI'd onto this. Yeah. Because he, green screen. Yeah, green screen. He he said part of it was he would not be in the same room with me. No, of course they were. I had never been to Sedona before. Of course, I had heard about it. Um, it's it, it's really a remarkable place. Um, I see why people are so drawn to live there and visit and work there. Um, being with Mackenzie and Glenn, were, it was exactly like we'd known each other forever, as cliche as that sounds. They couldn't have been more uh, accommodating. And as you know from knowing Glenn, there's really not a nicer person around. He, no. He's, I, I don't think he's capable of making somebody feel uncomfortable in any way. He's just full of love and, and uh, um, hospitality. And it was a great experience. And I really, for me, I only shot for two days. So the rest of the time I had, I uh, got to sit around and just enjoy that good mojo in the air. If I were hanging out with Glenn, I'd be shooting every minute. Da-da-ba-ba-da. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, you know, his... I don't know what you're saying. Be more specific. I'd be ejaculating. <laughs> Glenn, I still don't understand. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Be scientific. Now. Are you hitting that, JB, or is that me? Um, Glenn, what yeah, was I'd it like for you working with Mackenzie again? Had you guys reunited prior to this? We had never worked together in decades, in almost 40 years. I'm still, that's even scary to say. We, um, we did a few one-day-at-a-time reunion stuff. Like, we did something uh, well, on the TV Land Awards, which actually was the last time I, our entire cast was together. Um, but we had never, we hadn't worked together. So when I was developing the project, um, I reached out to Mackenzie, of course, almost immediately and said, hey, do you want to do this? And she was on board in a second. So, you know, I just love her so much and we just enjoy our time together so much. And she comes to visit Sedona very often. But I have to tell a story about the first time, the first morning that Stephen and I were working. He was actually shooting like the first day of our shoot. The first shot of the movie was he and I at the beautiful Goldenstein Gallery here in Sedona. And it was very early, and Stephen got in very late the night before, and he was on New York time, and, you know, it was like a 4 a.m. call, and we were standing outside, and all I could remember was his face looking at me, saying, where am I? What is this? I don't understand. I'm very confused. And it was surreal standing in front of Glenn Scarpelli, like, wait a minute. <laughs> None of this computes at all. And there's, Where am I? Yeah, where am I? Well, it's Where good. am I? What am I doing? It was freaking <laughs> hilarious. Stephen Wallum is so funny. He had Mac and I cracking up. Mac and I still talk about some of the stuff that he said on the set. One time, I think it was the last night, Stephen, that we were shooting and it was getting really late because we were doing an overnight for, um, you know, nighttime shots. And we just started to crack up like we couldn't. We couldn't oh, yeah, it was punchy time. We were all laughing. Yeah, it was laughter in church. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like it was a fun shoot, although Stephen only got to be there for two days. Yeah, whatever. They could have written more for me, but no, that's fine. Let's make it about <laughs> Glenn and Mackenzie's characters. It's blah, blah, them. blah. Now, I didn't get to see the movie yet. Do you two have a sex scene? <laughs> 
Glenn? Well, no, not in the first. <laughs> not in the first one. We're working on the Wait, sequel, for the sequel. Though. Yeah. We've been working we're, we're on that really, sequel for three years now. We've been working on the sequel for a long time. Actually, this was developed originally as a TV pilot that we would hope to develop. So there is talk of, you know, maybe doing more of these. And Stephen and I have often talked about we definitely need a sex scene. In the next one, I so think the sequel uh, to Sacred Journeys would be happy endings. Oh, happy endings. Marty Thomas for the win. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we've we've spoken in detail about these sex scenes. Um, they are all right. documented. <laughs> There's many text There's PDFs chats. out there. Oh, yeah. good. PDFs. Now you guys worked with a. <laughs> it's a computer term. I'll explain later. <laughs> you guys worked with a child actor on the film named Matthew Costo. Um, I read an interview with Glenn where he described him as a mini Glenn. Did you, do you feel a kinship working with a child actor since you were one yourself? Oh, totally. And Matthew was just so wonderful. Wasn't he, Stephen? Wasn't he a great kid? He was great. And his mom was on set with him the whole time. And he was that perfect combination of professional kid, but never, ever, ever um, precocious and annoying. And that's really hard to find. How, how old was he when you, when you made the film? 30. <laughs> but... But a young 30. <laughs> but a very, <laughs> a very young 30. I think he was like probably the age I was when I got on One Day at a Time, which was like 13 or 14. He's, he came back for the Sedona Film Festival with the only other audience besides Amazon Prime that ever saw the movie was at the Sedona Film Festival. And he was like freaking six feet tall. I can't believe how much oh, he grew since we shot that movie. It was crazy. So you'll have to and, recast for the sequel, <laughs> is what you're saying. Yeah, we'd have to do something. Exactly. Unless we do a flash forward, yeah. <laughs> Probably. We, Marty and I had a discussion earlier in this uh in this show about straight actors playing gay roles. You guys are both gay, openly gay actors, right? Well, way to out Correct. Them. Hey, hey. I've just outed Stephen Wallen. <laughs> My pastor is listening. <laughs> because we're dating. Um no, go ahead. Um how do you feel about this? How do you feel about uh when when straight TV stars or movie stars get cast in gay roles at this point in 2018? Uh, you know, I was, I'm just going to jump right in and say, I was just thinking about this the yeah, other day because we're, we're in this culture now where I think it's, it, everybody is so ultra sensitive that as an actor, it's now become, uh, this is tricky because I, I have played many straight characters in my life and yes. I, I hope to play more. I personally do not have a problem when I hear that, uh, that a straight actor is playing a gay character. Um, I think if they are the best for the role, then it is appropriate. If I hear, oh, they, they didn't cast a gay actor because of such and such, because they're gay, that's a whole different thing. Right. But I think we've gotten to the point now, and even as I'm a writer as well, and I, I, I wrote a piece that was that had a, a entirely female cast, and I remember a, a early producer of the piece, um, who we since parted ways, but she, she said to me and my writing partner, we're both men, she said, well, you know, you're going to get a lot of flack because you're both men writing about women. And I remember thinking, well... The point of being a writer or an artist is that we should feel the freedom to to dive into somebody else's experience and not feel um, ostracized for that. So um, that's my personal take on it. Um, I, I think there needs to be there's an imbalance, of course, and I think this absolutely comes with when you're talking about um when you're talking about racial uh, issues with casting as well, that if it's unbalanced, if we constantly see uh, whitewashing in, in casting as far as, uh, you know, Asian characters being cast by white actors consistently, it's this, it's all about imbalance to me. So that's my very long winded way of saying I have no problem with it. Glenn, what's your take on it? Well, you know, it's interesting because you say over time, and I think that's true when, 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 you know, there were, only two or three gay roles on the universe. Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, they should hire a gay person for right. this. Right, totally. Yeah, absolutely. You know, these come up so little, but nowadays there are, you know, so many more diverse roles. I, I agree with Stephen. I think it really needs to be the best actor. I'm actually working on an, another project as a producer of a film that Tracy Boyd, who directed our film, 
is um, doing another feature film with Alexander Payne, which is incredible. Mm. And Tracy will direct and Alexander will EP, and I'm coming on board as an executive producer also. And we've had this conversation recently in regards to there's a wonderful female role who is disabled. So the whole idea of finding an actress with a disability is definitely something we're hoping for, but like Steven said, you know, we really kind of have to look at who's the best per- best actress for the role because who's to say that an actress that isn't disabled couldn't pull that role off even better. So, you know, I would like to find someone disabled, but that's not necessarily the only prerequisite. Right. My, my feeling is as, uh, representation is, is very important. Diversity is very important. But if your job is to create art, then the most important thing is that the art is good. Mm-hmm. Not right. that you checked off all of these boxes in the creation of the art. Yeah, it becomes you know? stifling exactly. after a while. If it, you're if you start worrying about, I don't want to upset this person, this person, this group, this group, this group. It it gets to the point where you then don't do anything at all because you're so afraid of offending. Well, speaking of representation, Stephen, on Nurse Jackie, you played Thor, a nurse living with type one diabetes. Not everyone knows that you also live with type type one diabetes. And I read in an interview that you hate Julia Roberts' performance as a diabetic in Steel Magnolias. Okay, I well, I you know, years. I, I don't know if hate is the right word. Shame. I don't Julia Roberts. No, no, no. I don't. I don't blame Julia Roberts at all. I'm actually a huge Julia Roberts fan. Just for years, and I used to do. I did an entire show about um, about being a diabetic and a type one diabetic and all the misconceptions that are out there. And what has always bugged me about that particular scene in Steel Magnolias is that I personally, and I have been corrected by other type one diabetics since. So I take this back. My experience when I have an insulin reaction, which is what is represented in the famous scene in the beauty shop. She flails about so wildly she's pulling things out of her hair that is the complete opposite of what my experience of having a, a uh, insulin reaction is so what's to me, it what's it really like to me to me it's you 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 have no energy at all you are famished you are hungrier than imagine the hungriest you've ever been and then multiply that by about 10 and you're sweating you're disoriented um so the whole when I as a kid when I saw that scene for the first time and already being a type one diabetic, and sort of like what we mentioned before, there were that was it as far as diabetic characters it being represented on you. screen, a little bit, but it also kind of pissed me off because I just felt like well we never see scenes of diabetic characters ever, and now this is the first time I've ever seen an insulin reaction recreated, and it's completely wrong in my opinion. I've had a handful of. Type 1 diabetics contact me after those comments and say, well, I do flail about, and I don't I think they're lying. But, um, <laughs> but here's the cool thing. Because of the, because of the organization that I was involved with when I was doing um, diabetes awareness a few years ago, and I still have a PSA that's, that's been running forever, um, and I went around the country talking about it, and this particular group contacted Lifetime when they did the remake of Steel Magnolias, and they set up a a phone conversation between me and one of the producers to sort of air my feelings about the original Steel Magnolias and say, and so I had this lovely conversation and said, look, this is, you know, just something to keep in mind when you're doing this remake that the whole flailing about and... (laughs) You know, she practically punched Dolly Parton in the face. You know, I I mean, that's I said, just maybe think about that. That's not necessarily representative. Not authentic. Yeah. And I watched the remake and I I thought they did a great job. Well, I say drink your juice, Stephen. Thank you. And now it's time for everyone's favorite game. Ask me no questions. Ask me no questions. Ask me no questions. Yeah. In the movie, which one of you is the bottom and which one is the top? (laughs) Almost a spit take. I was drinking coffee. Uh, I think Mackenzie is the top. Yes. Always. The end. Yeah. Always. And you're both bottoms. <laughs> Next to Mackenzie, yes. And we're both bottoms. I love that answer, Stephen. Uh, but, Glenn, did you ever give that thought as you were playing this, uh, the boyfriend of Stephen, which one of you would be the more dominant in bed? I know I did. I don't know about him. Oh, I know I did, too. No, Stephen would definitely um, – Tom would have definitely topped Marco. Nice. 
that'll be yeah. in the sequel, I hope. Um, do I, have either of you ever gotten a hard on while filming a scene? No, not huh. me. Not me either. No, nope. it's so technical. I mean, there and I've I, again, I've really never, I, I have yet to do any sort of real love scene. In a, I got married on Nurse Jackie, which was lovely, but it wasn't a which was so incredible, Steve. Yeah, yeah it was, was, but it was it was incredible. Episode. It wasn't a love scene, love scene. So right, I have yet right. to experience that. But you know, it's so being on a set is so technical that I, I would think it would be very tough to sort of lose yourself erection wise <laughs> I, but I don't know Glenn didn't you get a hard on when you were a child and Al Pacino whispered in your ear during a Broadway show okay so yes what that did happen <laughs> what I believe you, you told us that last time you were on the show I, I did I did tell you that so but basically what that was was you know in the wings right before he went on <laughs> it was dark there was not a lot of people around there was this sense of um, the the mood was different than you know, 45 people looking at you with lights on, with the camera right there, which is what Steven's referring to. But I was young, and I was exploring, and I was like, you know, I had a huge crush on Al Pacino. That's the bottom line. And I was 12. I mean, the wind blows, you get a heart on it. Very true. Very true. <laughs> and what was, it that he, those what was it that he whispered in your ear again? Oh, actually, it wasn't anything, you know, that would have <laughs> in, encouraged Gross. a heart on <laughs> This is Glenn Scarpelli's Me Too moment. Um, he yeah, said, would you like to meet my little friend? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I went there. I'm sorry. No, don't start rumors. Say hello to my little friend. <laughs> right, that's it. My mind going okay. crazy. Question for Stephen. Who is your celebrity crush? Oh, uh, uh, John Krasinski. I'm trying to think of who that is. From The Office? From The Office, Interesting. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Glenn? Adam Sank. Oh, I love that answer. Oh, I don't believe it, but I love it. I'm not a celebrity, so I can't be your celebrity Liar. crush. Um, who's the bit? Of bi- course you are. Well, what are you talking about? I'm famous in dozens of households. <laughs> uh, Glenn, who's the bitchiest actor you've ever worked with? The bitchiest actor? Gosh. Um, I mean, this is going back I I, 35 I, I, years. You've been in the business a long time. Yeah, I have to go back. I have to definitely go back. You know, I really, I've worked with so many incredible people. You would think that I would be able to come up with a name really fast, and I really can't. I, I don't think there's a whole lot of bitchy actors that I've worked come with. Come on, when you were on the love boat, Gavin McLeod wasn't an <laughs> asshole. That Lauren no, Tweez didn't push you down the stairs. I hate that bitch. Charo <laughs> gave him the business. Charo. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of Vicky's real name, but I feel like she would have been mean. What? Woo-hoo. Vicky, on the love boat. I can't think of her real name. <laughs> no, that's Lauren. That's um. No, Lauren Tweez was Julie. That's Joe oh, Whelan. No, Joe, Joe Whelan. Whelan. There you go. Jill yeah. Oh, see, you Glenn's know friends with every child star. Of We're course, best yes. friends still to this day. I she love just, that. She just texted me the other day. She's going to be at Chiller next week in in New Jersey. For anybody out there that wants to go to Chiller, go. Come on, random plug. Boat with Jill. All right, Stephen. <laughs> who... I'm going to pass on that, dude. I don't have an answer for you. You're yet. too nice a person, Stephen. Who's the bitchiest actor you've ever worked with? I'm hoping it's Edie Falco. Yeah. Oh, she's a nightmare. <laughs> No, she is. She was a number one on my quite the opposite. She's the best person to work with, period. Um, bitchy, you know, I, I don't. Oh, it's oh hard. Goodness. Yeah, no, I know. Is that how was that for your listeners? Um, how hard is it? That, I, not quite the same, but I had a mis, misperception of somebody who came on the show. Who it is since I, I was so excited when Rosie Perez came on the show. She was a guest on her show. And I went up to introduce myself and she was nice but a, a little cool a Frosty. little st- just and i'm so excited when anybody comes on and i'm not sure she actually knew that i was even a regular on the show because the truth is we're all dressed in scrubs and there's a million background right, actors you could be too, an extra i've gotten that a lot i got that from catering seriously catering yelled at me once because they thought it was That's <laughs> they thought it was an extra taking Stop the food eating from the, the food room. yeah it's not it's totally the truth <laughs> so, so rosie just kind of gave you the cold shoulder she didn't give me that she just was i wanted her to be more excited about about meeting me and she went in the middle of the conversation and i was disappointed and then I in my, who you are. In my, yeah in my brain i'm like oh she's not very nice well but then we were in hair and makeup together for the next week and she's lovely she's just not one of those like me who's like oh my god i'm so happy to 
to meet you. She's just a she's little chill. more low. She's chill. And I have since seen her many That's times. That's how Marty Thomas is. And I love yeah. it. Yeah. I got the cold shoulder from Marty when I walked Marty, in. Marty, bitchiest actor you've ever worked with. Adam Sank. Oh, come on. Oh. That's not nice. Okay. Is that when you two did On Golden Pond together? Yes. <laughs> Basically. The, we're doing we, the remake. We met doing an Atlantis resort in Cancun. That is where we met. We that did. Was, uh, I've never bombed worse than I did on that gig. He always oh, says no. that, and it's not Horrible. true. I was there. Uh, last question. If your penis were a fruit, which, which fruit would it be? <laughs> um, it would be Adam My Sank. My penis is a fruit. So what are we talking about? Your penis is gay. Of course, I wanted to My say ugly is... fruit, and that's just not right. No. Um, I think kiwi, um, because it's... <laughs> green? No, it's exotic. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. No, I think it's, it's exotic. Perhaps mm. from foreign land. Free-range penis. Not anyone really knows where it's from. Glenn? <laughs> I, I'm going to go with... First of all, I, I, this is a very odd question. <laughs> you think? No. So, so thank you, Adam, for that. But um, I'm going to go with pomegranate. <clears throat> oh. That's interesting because, because it comes in of, juice form. I think of all those and, bumps. Yeah, and it's got a lot of it's got a lot of seeds in it. Oh dear! <laughs> <laughs> Sacred Journeys is available on Amazon Prime. How can we follow you both on social media? My name, all one word: Stephen Wallem. S T E P H E N W A L L E M. On all the available uh, Twitter, Glenn? Instagram. Glenn Scarpelli on all of them, and also Sedona Vacation Villas. If anybody wants to come to Sedona, come stay at one of our vacation villas, SedonaVacationVillas.com. Thank you. Have a great week, bitches.